Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mind on Mental Health podcast. My name is Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And my guests today, once again, are Sarah DeVries and Sarah Carstens. Both Sarah DeVries and Sarah Carstens are licensed clinical social workers, as well as licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselors at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health. And today is the second part of our conversation where we discuss grief and substance use. So I hope you find it helpful and enjoy the podcast. Sarah DeVries, I don't know how much you want to do this and any amount that you want to do this is fine, but like, I'm almost wondering if you would want to give us like your personal take on what this is like for you. Like, like what was it like for you to adjust to the new normal or like any insights you had into like sort of these different quadrants and what you know, you're still continuing to do this, I would imagine, but like, what have you learned about this process? I almost feel like we're beating around the bush if I don't ask you that question. Yeah. Um, You know what I mean? Yeah, I Um, think. So, but we absolutely don't have to go there if you don't want to. No, I'm totally fine going there. Um, I want to do what's productive for the audience too. Mm. I think, so for me, I was already dealing with a family member and working with a family member who had struggled with addiction was in recovery and then we had a sudden loss where Mm. my brother overdosed and i'm in the middle of this hurricane and this ocean Mm -hmm. and i don't know what the hell to do and i had no choice but to like i i think there's no choice but to kind of let the like pain kind of drive in the beginning Mm -hmm. and you're in the middle of the storm. And then the processing happens so subjectively, but also through connecting with, I think myself and with people that understood what, things were like, but also recognized like that they couldn't understand Mm -hmm. and how processing like still happens every day. I think the frequency of the pain or the waves of pain gets, it decreases. I, but Mm -hmm. you're kind of weaving that in with your life and your new reality. And that's what I, I didn't have a choice, but to do that. Mm-hmm. And it still hits and it'll come out of nowhere and it sucks. Mm-hmm. I I think for me too. So this adjustment, I had to recognize like, all right, this is this new world and how do I navigate this? And I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's okay not to know. A big part too is speaking personally because we feel so much pain and loss with that person um kind of letting that pain go can feel like another loss. Mm-hmm. Like okay, if I'm not actively 
grieving and mourning this person, especially if it's someone that you've had a complex and conflictual relationship with, Mm -hmm. then I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so that's another, I guess I will use the acceptance piece of like, I can put this pain down for a little bit Mm -hmm. and learn how to navigate reality today. Is that like a feeling of if I put the pain down, then I'm, then this person's really gone? Or is it like, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not, I should be feeling this way. So I want to hold on to it kind of thing. Like, I I think it's a mix of both. Right. And so we all have ideas of what grieving looks like. And until we experience that, you don't really know. Mm -hmm. And so it can also be both things. Mm -hmm. And it was for me. It's so subjective in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. Yeah, I I was thinking just on that last, it's, you know, if I, um, if I, like, if I am not grieving, then I'm done caring. Um, mm. or, or something like that is, is kind of like what it, what it makes me think of. Like if I'm, if I'm feeling okay today, what does that say about how much I love this person? Um, you know, how can I possibly be okay when X, Y, and Z has, you know, has happened? Yeah, I think, and that reminds me too of something like anger. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, if I'm experiencing this, then X, Y, and Z and mm-hmm. how that reflects on my relationship with that person and my own healing process or grieving process. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this makes me, thank you, first of all, for telling us all that, but this brings me back again to sort of these models and like why, why I think we can get frustrated with them or, or like think that they're kind of worthless is because everything you just described is sort of so much more complex and messier than, you know, you feel this and then you feel this and then you feel this and then you accept it and you're good. Um, so I think, thank you for, for just putting some color to that and like really describing what the messiness of the actual process. You're welcome. <laughs> it, it's a mess. I think acknowledging that is such a big key part to it. And that each person's mess is going to look a little bit different. And I think that's the hard part is we, you know, while like on some level we know it's it's different for everyone, we do want like some sort of guide, which is why I think like the quadrants can be helpful. It's like, oh, okay, acceptance right now and processing right now, um, you know, adjusting to a new world right now. Um, but it's, you know, it's not going to look the same for for one person and even you know two people who are experiencing the you know grief over the exact same thing maybe managing it or experiencing it in very very different ways um which you know again can can find it can make it hard and i think um may make it feel a little bit more isolating at times um like you know i'm I'm the only one experiencing this right now. And even, you know, people who knew this person or, you know, have a relationship with with this person um, are not going to necessarily be experiencing it the way you are. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is like you, there was only one 
relationship with this person, like each individual relationship right. can be so, so different. Mm -hmm. Right. I think a big piece to that too is like where we bring in hope mm -hmm. and kind of defining hope and how it connects to grief and how like a big part of the grieving process was for for me was how things changed and how things continue to change and that can change in many different ways and directions so this idea that like the pain is going to change it will be there and that there will be moving forward, but it's your own individual process. And that can kind of bring up hope, at least it did for me. Mm -hmm. So hope in the sense that like, it's not always gonna feel this way forever. Mm -hmm. It's gonna change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to that end, like if anyone said, Stay hopeful, like when you're in the midst of oh, it. Jesus. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> yes. And that happens too. Mm, how invalidating. My God. I mean, people yeah. get uncomfortable. Uh, totally. With yes. A lot of things. Mm -hmm. But but I think, you know, this is, uh, and I think this, this point in, in particular is where we can continue, like, you know, the conversation on like stigma and, and connection because you know, one, one person's process is going to be different than the next. And, you know, when we have, you know, family members, uh, you know, who are all dealing with this, you know, the same, um, they're, they're all dealing with grief, everybody doing it in very like individualized ways. I think continuing to just have those conversations and support one another, um, you know, as, as best as possible, even if, the person sitting next to you is on a different page um, yes. and, and at a different part of their process because, you know, it's, you know, every, everybody has likely been, you know, there a lot of, a lot of tension, a lot of chaos, um, you know, very likely has, you know, has ensued previously about it. Um, but I think just being able to, to recognize that everybody is going to be at a different place and be okay with that um, mm -hmm. and not trying to push others to where you are mm -hmm. um yes. you know and like this is well this is this is what i did and i feel better now so this is what you need right. to do as well you know in in the very same way that we were talking previously about um you know the um, willpower, moral failure, you know, on the part of an individual who uses substances, like it's, it's just, it's not that simple. Mm -mm. Um, and, and as, as such in the grief process, it's not a one size fits all type situation and really just being able to, you know, have patience and grace, um, you know, with, with everyone who is, who is a part of that process. Just out of curiosity is, uh, finding hope that last quadrant, the fourth quadrant in that. So it's finding an enduring connection with the deceased in the midst of like living in this new reality. And so mm -hmm. this focuses a lot on honoring and staying connected to the 
person that you're experiencing loss with mm. and living a life that's meaningful for you and finding that balance. So would you be willing to share with us how you're doing that? Um, I think it's finding things, finding ways to connect with my brother. Mm -hmm. um, I think he would probably um, make fun of me a little bit for doing this podcast. Uh -huh. he, he, um, <laughs> so I think like finding those connections and I guess sharing hope that it's a, an extremely painful process and it, but it does change and it's your own individual process mm -hmm. and doing things that are meaningful for you. And also it's my hope like that people can heal and that we can find productive and helpful ways to create a shift with how we look at overdose mm -hmm. and substance use in general. So kind of how do I connect to what's meaningful for me? Because what would that person want for me and what would I want for them? Mm -hmm. And it's a balance that you still figure out every day. Yeah, I think I'm hearing that as like a theme, right? It's like um, you can't really, there's no guidebook for how you're going to be feeling about it from one day to the next. Yeah, and I want to like reiterate too that there's no guidebook. We talked about like not telling people to have hope, but mm -hmm. I think saying the wrong thing or what could be perceived as the wrong thing is better than saying nothing at all, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and to kind of maintain that connection with people around you and vice versa. Because mm -hmm. it's really about, all of this is about connection and caring about another person deeply. You know, that actually brings me back to something that I meant to ask you earlier, which is um, you said addiction is the opposite of connection. And I'm just wondering if you can explain that a little bit further. I think so when I have heard that and having experienced it on a personal and a professional level, mm -hmm. addiction isolates. We disconnect from ourselves. We disconnect from the world in a lot of ways. Um, and there's a cutoff in a sense. And I think healing isn't meant to be done in isolation. And so how we find ways to connect is where the healing is. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the hurt also originated in our connections and what could have potentially created some of these behaviors that we're talking about in the first place connected to addiction. I heard somebody recently say that, um, at the end of the day, all the addiction wants is you and it alone in a room together forever. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what I think about when I hear that, you know, the connection versus addiction, you know, that comparison, um, or I should say that they're opposites. Um, because I think if you think about it, there's a lot of wisdom there. It's just that is what the addiction wants. It just wants 
you and it alone in a room forever. And I think we see that on the treatment side too, that, that having support uh, and having connection is really what heals people the most. And how do we maintain those connections in a way that feels meaningful for us mm-hmm. is really important. No, I, I mean, I, I agree with everything and just, you know, thinking back on, you know, my experiences, um, you know, thinking mostly with regards to like treatment experiences. And I think probably some of the most standout moments and some of the most hopeful moments I, I ever experienced as a clinician had nothing to do with specific, you know, progress or benchmarks or behaviors that were demonstrated, but it was in knowing that this this person sitting in front of me knows that I believe in them, knows that I'm mm-hmm. there for them, yeah. um, and, you know, and values that relationship. Mm-hmm. And that for me was always one of the most important things because, you know, behaviors can change things, you know, things that I said, skill, like all of that is going to come and go. But if they can remember the feeling of that relationship and that connection, I, I believe that that was the most powerful part of, um, that was the most powerful part. Um, and, and the strongest indicator of, of success. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Similarly for me, I think I often think back on this moment when I had somebody graduating you know, quote unquote graduating, but um, they had been, they had had to discontinue treatment at one point because they relapsed and then they came back a few weeks later. And uh, the most important thing to him was that he didn't feel judged at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And he really made it a point to say that to me when the day he was leaving. And it was just a really nice moment and also a really good reminder for me to uh, just a, at how important that is. And I think sometimes that's easier to say as a treatment provider than it is as a family member um, because we're looking at this through like a medical model and we know how the disease progresses. And, you know, so it's a little bit easier for us sometimes, I think, to separate the two and, and to not be, I shouldn't even say to not be judgmental, but I do realize that I'm coming at it from like a certain perspective. Um, mm-hmm. But that was important for me as a clinician. I think it's like, again, having that hope, like things are going to change, like for ourselves and for the people that we're working with and that people pick up on, we pick up on when people don't have a lot of hope for Mm -hmm. us. And and that is connected to judgment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, well, I think I'm gonna let you guys go but thank you both for being here and uh sarah devries especially thank you to you for being open to talking about something so personal on this podcast i really appreciate it and uh i think there are plenty of people out there that are going to be able to relate but i know it's not always easy to talk about this stuff so thank you thank you guys and thank you sarah carstens as well yes thank you dr carstens (laughs) (laughs) thank you my uh, always happy to do it and you know if if we didn't have hope, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be here talking about it. Um, and you know, a lot a lot of thanks to Sarah um, for sharing her experience and her clinical expertise. And you know, the 
connection quote has has really stuck with me over the past few weeks since she first shared it. Mm. Um, so I'm ho- I'm hoping that it'll be something that resonates with other people as well.